Welcome to another edition of Talkback Fans. I'm Pat Line and Terry Hall. And we are joined by the Overtime Sports Group, Ter. Reggie they're Flowers. That's all right. You can go ahead, Reg. <laughs> Reggie Flowers. Joe Harry. Who are two of the six members of the Overtime Sports Group. The other members are Micah Holmes, Tyshawn Gooseby, and as I like to call them, the Change Brothers, Derek Nichols <laughs> and DeAndre Penny, who are your two most recent additions. Five right. of the six are Benedictine graduates. And Miles Campbell. Okay, I was not aware yeah, of Miles, Miles so Campbell. Miles is number seven. Yes, Miles Campbell is our financial advisor. He's another recent um, well, addition. We need to, to talk to him. <laughs> 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 Definitely. So, guys, step us through how this all started. You guys, a little background, you guys are – working with professional athletes, providing them some rep- representation, um, providing them some brand management, a few other things. But take us to the beginning. How did this all start? Okay, um, I'll start it off. Um, so pretty much like our sophomore year, uh, me, Joe, and Micah sat down, and we were just trying to figure out, like, what is going to be our way? Like, we, we felt like sports weren't, like, our way to make our money in the – in the next chapter of our lives, uh, which is college. Um, so we we wanted to find something that we all wanted to do. So um, we always thought about being uh, sports agents and uh, creating our own sports uh, agency. Um, we knew some guys at Benedictine who are great talents, and just with them, talking to them, and just being around them, it just gave us some motivation to just go out and create our own thing. Oh, yeah. Basically, what um, Reggie Flowers said was accurate. We just planned to – we wanted to start our own agency, so we was trying to figure out at that point, like, which ways we could go about taking actions into our own hands just to get a little bit of experience um, before, you know, really having to deal with professional athletes. So. That's how Overtime Sports Group came along. It was three passionate guys. We all was very passionate about sports, but also we were business savvy too. So we just looked up, you know, different ways that we can make money from or make a career out of the sports side, the business side of sports. And as, you know, 17, 18, 19-year-old kids, how hard was it to convince people that you guys had some business savvy and some experience? Um, I would say it wasn't that hard because we had um some mentors so to help us create our own you know name. We did a bunch of things before overtime even came up. We had a clothing line. Me and Joe had a clothing line. Um, we did a sneaker convention when we were like sixteen, seventeen. So we were always like around business people trying to find a way. Overtime wasn't our first like thought. We wanted, we thought we was going to do a clothing line. We thought right. we was going to start selling sneakers and stuff like that. But that just wasn't us. Mm. We just figured out like, okay, this is really what we want to do. So uh, we had a couple mentors to help us, you know, get our feet wet, you know, start recruiting, helping in that aspect of the business world. So um, the hard part is trying to convince parents and uh, athletes that these 20, 21, year, 22-year-olds are okay with handling, you know, million dollars at a time. So that's our issue for real. And then, too, we also um, – it wasn't really a problem with, like, the players really taking it serious because 
we started off with guys that we were already friends mm-hmm. with. So it was genuine, you know, before it even started. But um, when it came down to, you know, the parents and really speaking to people that that's what we wanted to do, that's when we were starting to get, you know, a little bit of, okay, how you going to go about that? And that's how Overtime Sports Group Free Youth Camp started um, because we wanted to show people that we could put together a professional setting event um, that's super successful from our own strength. Even though we are young, you know, we knew that we was going to put the work in behind it and um, do the research that we needed. So uh, we just figured this was the best way to go about it. We didn't know too much at the time, but we figured this is better than nothing. So that's how um, the overtime sports group camp came along. Without getting into the um, nuts and bolts of what it is that you, you talk to the parents about, what is what is your pitch? What is, what what do you what do you what are you trying to accomplish for not only yourselves but for the athletes that you guys are going to represent? Uh, we want to bring our athletes into a family atmosphere where they don't have to like be uptight with us. They don't have to like hold their tongue and say what they want from us because we work for the athlete. Like they tell us what to do. Um, so we just want to build the, their best interest off the field for every off the field activity they want to do, whatever they want to invest their money in, whatever they want to you know, uh, support in, in their foundations and stuff. So um, that is pretty much what we sell to our players, genuine friendship, genuine our 100% effort to make you as much money off the field so you don't need your football career when you, when you have other opportunities you're investing in stuff. We uh, build your businesses. Um, we give you great public relations work, marketing opportunities. So that's pretty much what we pitch to our our guys on the when we have our sit down meetings and then too we also like uh reggie said it's more about um it being a family nine times out of ten a parent just want to make sure that their kid is in the best situation possible so what we really do is just preach the fact that not only are we just interested because you know your football skill we had to like you as a person feel like you're fit for us before we take you on and want to bring you you know want to represent you and uh do work on your behalf so that's another strategy we use too not just building them up on the field and stuff but as an overall person just learning you know everything about life so so from this recent draft you guys have four Clients, is that the right word to say at this yes, point? Yes. So Justin Lane, who ended up with the Steelers, B.J. Blunt, who's with the Redskins, uh, Jason Moore, who's with the Chargers, and Sharif Miller, who's with the Eagles. So for those four gentlemen, those four football players, what are you providing for them? Um, business development, public relations, content creation, and digital marketing. So we do all of their outside of the field um, things that they would the uh, day-to-day basis work, um, making sure they have meal plans, making sure they're getting their workouts in. Mm-hmm. Um, we have we work with some of the best business development companies, Apex Franchise Development Group, um, who is very good at finding small businesses before they blow up and just having our players invest money into those companies. Um, Dawn to Dust is a, a public relations company. It's top five in the country. Um, so we work with them. So Anthem is basically a hand-in-hand with different companies, partnerships to be, be the best for the players off the field. Yeah. 
So I, I noticed there's – what is the relationship with you guys in Anthem Sports? Because I noticed that you guys are also – it looks like you guys are employees of Anthem as well. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, so can you talk a little bit about that relationship and how it developed and, and, and what you do for Anthem over and above what you're doing as part of overtime? Okay. Take um, so basically with the Anthem relationship, uh, I was mentored. My senior year project I did um, with a guy named Nick Davis, mm -hmm. who is head of the player development over at Anthem. Um, so at the time, he had just really uh, moved over to that company. So through there, I just built a great relationship with him, just letting him know, you know, this is what I want to do. This is the field. We're trying to learn. And from there, um, I brought Reggie along because Reggie, you know, we were saying overtime Spurs group together. And I knew Reggie wanted to learn just as much. So once we all sat together and, you know, they just they all had a meeting with us one on one just to, you know, see where we were, what we wanted from our future and how serious we were. Um, and after that, after we did that, they was ready, you know, to bring us on board. We already had basically did a recruiting year the year before, but we wasn't with Anthem. So we was con they kind of already knew who we were because of what we did before. Um, but basically after that, it just came together and we got an agreement that um, last year me and Reggie, for the most part, did most of the recruitment for Anthem. Um, so even though Anthem is a 360 management company, um, me and Reggie at that time was inexperienced on how it looked. So we started off from the recruiting aspects and ever since they're bringing in guys, we've been learning, you know, the business, how to run their business, what day-to-day -day management, what it looks like to build their content creation, all of that thing. So we started off with Anthem recruiting. So the head recruiters at Anthem, me and Reggie, was going to college football games, scouting, put together a recruiting list for this year's draft that just passed, and we just went by every guy, um, reached out to him, attended a couple of games, got close, and, you know, story to history from there. <laughs> how, do the, how do the coaches at the programs react to you guys being around? Because I know it's kind of a sticky subject sometimes, especially with, you know, eligibility aspects and things like that. How, how are the coaches – how do you guys, you know, navigate that part of, of, of what you guys do? Um, I feel like the coaches don't even take us serious either because we're 20 – I'm 20 years old. So it's just when the coaches see us around, they're like, okay, I mean, they you don't – be a student, right? Right. They don't even know who I am really. So – um. That's pretty much not that hard to navigate, but some uh, programs have like where you can't even contact the player without sending like like setting up paperwork, sending it to the office, and all of that type of stuff. So um, that's pretty much our toughest issue with some schools is that. But other than that, um, just reaching out to the clients over social media. Social media is like the, the biggest thing right now. So the coaches are mostly not involved unless we're like on the campus or, you know, around the athlete. But then again, they don't even know that we represent players. And then too, it's not illegal either for no, us. No, no, no. Yeah, I, I be. I'm just saying, I'm because a, a lot of a lot of coaches are right very strict. For like, they're, they're strict and hands-on. Mm -hmm. they, they, they want Definitely. every part of that. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And the difference between Overtime and Anthem is Anthem is a management company. 
So we don't handle any of the uh, contract um, on the field. We handle like all marketing and contracts and stuff like that. But uh, the agencies that the players sign to, um, they handle the contracts with the teams. So that, that, that's an interesting distinction there. So um, I know, you know Michael Holmes has inter- interned with the NFL last year. He's yes. going to intern with the NBA this year. I yes. know you've mentioned to me, Reggie, when we talked off the air, that his goal is to go to law school, become an agent. Yes. Okay. Is that the goal for all of you guys as well, to, to go down that road? Or is it really – you're going to have one agent and the rest of you guys are going to kind of work on the other aspects of the representation. Um, yes. Uh, Micah is basically, will be our main agent. Um, I haven't decided if I want to go get my agency degree, but that I don't, not anytime soon. Um, so we're, me and Joe just going to stay basically on the marketing aspects, um, the off the field, stuff like that. So yeah, Micah will be our main agent. Everyone else will fill in their roles to, do our PR, to handle our content, to handle our digital marketing. We're, we're taking a lot of stuff from Anthem because it's what we see every day. And, and Anthem is very dynamic and a great a great company, probably the best company out on the sports management area. And that's what we learned, too, um, just from being with them, uh, just how a team is supposed to work. You know, everybody can't do the same thing to make it, you know, a successful business. Like you got an agent who do the agent, manage, represent, PR, who uh, clean up their image and stuff like that. So everybody needs to have, you know, their own position in order for everything to run fluently. Okay. And then so are your clients also Anthem clients as well? Um, there are only Anthem clients. Overtime um, okay. hasn't uh, pretty much been ran yet. It's just a... We just have the concept. Um, we don't have any clients under overtime. They're all under Anthem They're right all under Anthem. Yeah. Okay. So basically, you know, to come, if Mike was here, he's not here. One of our co-hosts is not here. It's kind of like a record label kind of thing where, where the, the, the main label and then you guys have, are trying to start your own label, which right. is Anthem is going to be where it's housed kind of right. thing. Right. That's definitely how it kind of is. Um, like Anthem been like the big brother to our uh, situation because, you know, we didn't we had the idea with Overtime Sports Group, but we really didn't know what, you know, that actually looked like, right. like what it looked like to do management and all that. But through Anthem, we've been able to, you know, get these experiences. So that therefore, when it when we do decide it's time for Overtime Sports Group, we already have an idea on how everything's supposed to be done. Right. All right, so one of your clients was on our show a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Actually, the day before he got drafted, yep. Justin Lane. And uh, so how difficult was it you as, as Clevelanders to have him go to the Steelers, man? Because I'm going to tell you what, after having him on the show <laughs> – I actually wept when it, when it happened. I was like, I can't believe we just had a Pittsburgh Steeler on our, our show. <laughs> <laughs> no, with Justin being a Steeler, it was it was heartbreaking, but it was kind of like we already knew because they really were interested in Justin, like the whole drive process. And he had com- said that too. Yeah, so. so it was just – it was heartbreaking. I got some Steelers gear that I wore. I started itching when I put it on. <laughs> Crazy. So – Justin's dad didn't like it either. <laughs> nah, he not at all. didn't like it at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> New bathroom. But, yeah. you know, they 
I feel like Pittsburgh is, is, is going to be a good great. place for him. It's going to be a great fit. Uh, he'll, he'll learn from Joe Hayden, the former, you know, Cleveland Brown. So he has that relationship with Cleveland that Justin has. So hopefully he takes him under his wing and teaches him as much as possible. But, yeah, just him being a stiller is just tough. And, and plus, <laughs> a, a, we talk about this a lot on the show. While I, I, will, I love the city of Pittsburgh, I'm a Pittsburgh Pirate fan. I, I, okay. I will never root for the Steelers ever. <laughs> never. But I will tell you this: they are one of the model franchises in yeah. the NFL. Mm-hmm. And as a defender, you can't go to a better place than that because they've been That's they've been good as long as I've been alive. Right. So, right. <laughs> and I'm old. So, <laughs> definitely a great situation. So you you kind of already talked about it a little bit earlier, but you know you have the free youth camp that I believe this is going to be your third one that yeah. you're putting on. You want to talk a little bit more about what you guys do during that? Um, you kind of already brought up how it got started, but uh, a little bit more on that. No, um, So basically, this year uh, is our third annual free youth camp uh, for Overtime Sports Group. This year, though, will be the first year we aren't doing it alone. We've invited two other um, businesses as well along the process. So they deal with both of the businesses that are um, incorporated into our camp. Both of them deal with uh, children and stuff. Like we had the Good to Great um, program that's also going to be a part of the camp. And they host, they train kids, but they also build kids up to be young men. So it's more of a mentorship type of program. Uh, We also uh, is working with the Good Life Foundation. Um, V'Angelo Bentley is the uh, creator of that. He's also the Penn State's defensive back coach, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Defensive back coach. So, um, Former Glenville, correct? Mm, yes. Yep. yep. Illinois, Illinois alumni. For college. Yes. So uh, those are two new things that we're doing a part of uh, this camp. And this year we plan on bringing um, – we have high school athletes a part of this camp. From previous years, we've been having the college football players come and teach, but we think this year would be better if the high school students um, did the uh, camp stations, but the kids still get to take pictures with the NFL and college guys, you know, as they're around the camp as well. So uh, that's a little bit, Scoop. You want to touch on anything else about the Well, um, so this year we'll also be having, like, a little cookout before the camp. we just want to teach kids fundamentals of the game. We'll have uh, – this is our first year doing two two uh, two days for the camp. We'll have a practice day. Um, our first day is June 29th, and then our game day is June 30th. So um, I feel like last year or the year before, like, we tried to cram everything in, to, you know, fit these couple of hours, um, which is not, like, the best experience for kids because they do the drills and then they got to just hurry up and do a game so we can get them out to their parents. So I feel like um, – what we felt like, Putting two days into the camp this year will uh, be very beneficial and uh, will help the kids out a lot. And that's at Benedict. You host that Benedict and Yes. And the camp is free, is that yes. correct? Yes. And it's open to anybody? Open yes. to anybody. Okay, so if there's somebody out there listening that has a kid mm-hmm. or a yeah. nephew or, or – you know, a niece. Yep. Ages you know, eight who, who's actually interested? for a second, I thought you were gonna you you wanted to go. <laughs> no, I, open to anybody. I would embarrass myself. <laughs> I would embarrass myself. And I'm out of eligibility yeah. anyway, so it wouldn't matter. Yeah. Um, how how can they get information? How can they get involved? Um they can uh call me at two one six two two five nine three zero zero. They can follow our Instagram page is at overtime sports G. That's for Twitter, Overtime Sports Group for Instagram. Um uh, we have sign up links on on our website. Um 
So those are three ways they can contact us. And, and what is the website? OvertimeSportsGroup.com. Okay. So um, those are the three ways to, you know, sign up, sign your kids up, ages 8 through 13 at Benedictine. So I'm guessing because of the nature of what you guys do, you got through this first draft here with, with, with the players that you have, and you're obviously going to be thinking about next year. How, how was that? You don't have to get into who you're going after, but how, how is that going for you guys from a recruitment perspective? Um, so we finished our recruitment list about – we probably finished it April 1st before the draft um, was – I mean, before the draft got started. Um, that's a tough process because it's a lot of players. It's a, it's a lot of players, and there's 256 draft picks. So just making that list and breaking it down and knowing who's the most marketable and, and what positions are most marketable um, is a, it's a tough process, but at the same time, it's a process that, that has to happen. Um, so because we want to expand four players was a good first, you know, year, but we want to keep expanding, yeah, get it to about 10 next year. Yeah. And, you know, never go over the, the 10 because it's, it's hard to manage players on the day to day management, do all of that for each player. And we want to give a hundred percent to each player, but the drive process is a lot different than veterans. So veterans want to handle a lot of things on their own, but the drive process is, Got to walk players through. Now, just to walk us back real quick, you were talking about um, the social media aspects of, of, of the management. Do you guys actually take over their social media accounts or, or help them what they should be posting, what they shouldn't be posting, that kind of stuff? Yeah, some players uh, want us to take over their accounts, and some <laughs> players, you know, they just want to handle stuff by themselves. So it's whatever they prefer. But we, uh, our digital marketing team is – yeah, pretty I was pretty say, nice. Our digital marketing team is really good with knowing when to post the right things, how to uh, grab your attention. Like they they like the goats, and when it comes to looking at numbers and being able to tell what's the right thing to post, when the right time, when you want to hit a specific audience. Right. Um. So that's mainly how it goes. We got some athletes that come already with a you know a, a great platform. Um, but for the ones who don't, we yeah, take control of theirs as well. Michael Gallup from Colorado State is one of our clients, uh, Dallas Cowboys receiver. Um, he has 172,000 followers, and that's outrageous for a uh, he's a he's going into his second year. So just with him, that's an example of, uh, of how our platform works with digital marketing and how we make our players, you know, better off the field. When when somebody wants to hire you guys, is it are your services a la carte? Is it a package deal? Are there a number of different packages? And and then kind of how are you guys compensated? Is it flat fee? Is it a percentage of some deal you might find for us? You know what you're comfortable talking right. about. Talk about that a little bit if you would. Um, so we get a part. Uh, we get a portion of their marketing opportunities. So whatever marketing opportunities we bring, we get a percentage of that. Um, our players pay us at a flat rate, a monthly rate, once they sign their first uh, contract with the league. Um, so that's how we get our, our, our payment. And then we um, – so it doesn't come in a package deal. You get uh, our four services for a price. You get three services. If you want to do three services, you get that for a price, two services okay. for a price. So Yeah, so there are different packages right, then yes. that you are depending upon. They can have the full gamut of what you guys offer right. to, hey, I really want you guys for these exactly. one or two specific things, right. and that's fine, and, right. and the rest, it, it doesn't really – 
Right. I mean, you'd like it all, but right. Yeah, we we want to get our guys. You'll there. walk before you run. Right. Definitely. Yeah. So, when you guys are out there um, trying to get the clients and, and and talk them into what it is that you guys do and how you can help them, who do you find the most difficult to get that message to? Is it mom and dad, or is it the players themselves, or is it a combination of? It's definitely the parents. Yeah. The parents is. Because the players, like we said, you know, we we do such a family orientated system where they feel comfortable. That's why the the uh, relationship with the player is so important. Because when the mom is coming back, like, who is this young boy who talking about? He wanted to manage you. The player could be like, no, mom, like he really this what he showed me. This is what they got going on. They can really speak on our behalf. So, so is it usually mom the most difficult sell? Yeah. Definitely, the mom. You know, they yeah. they be that little boy, so they don't want to. They don't want anybody. Just that's why they want to make sure if they give you their son, not give you, but yeah. if they trust you with their son, you know that it's in good hands. So, so it's a, it's a little bit like Benedictine in that aspect. With one of the things that we always just say, if you can get mom in the building, mm-hmm. yeah. so for you guys, if you can convince mom, um, you got a pretty good shot yeah. at, at working Definitely. with. Definitely. So, so let me ask you this. So. I, I got to know Justin's father a little bit better than I got to know his mother. I worked right. some, some pregame meals with her, but it seems like his dad was everywhere. Right. Um, how difficult was it to convince the lanes that, you know, you guys were the right people for Justin? Um, I feel like mom was easier because, well, when, when me and Joe and, and Justin, we have a, a very personal, like, very personal relationship right. where we hang out outside of, you know, doing anything involved with sports. So with them just um, trusting me and trusting that I wouldn't put their son in any uh, bad position um, was a big step for us in, in signing Justin. Um, but I feel like it, was, it, was, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be, but it, it was, it was a, still a tough process because at the same time it's still like, Because okay, they know you too. Right, they right. know me. So they, they know me and it's like, Maybe he just—I don't think they—they ever thought like that, but it can come up to like maybe he just want to, you know, sign our son just to you know get his stuff off the ground. But it's genuine, and we're putting him in a in a great position with a great company, and we only have our best benefit for him in the in the long run. And, and he's that, his dad's one of those guys that I always said if you didn't know that Justin was a big time college basketball football player, I must said basketball player at the Freudian slip. You from and, and then you met DeAndre. Yeah, you probably wouldn't know that his son was a big time college football yeah. player because that's just the way that he was. Yeah. Which is one of the things I always kind of admired and respected about him was he just kind of went about his business and yeah. whatever happened happened and and you know things are things are working right. out okay. And yeah. I think you saw that when uh, on the radio or saw it on the radio, but <laughs> when they had the when he interviewed on ninety two three, you could actually see that. That was the fan talking. Mm-hmm. That right. wasn't dad talking. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that was a, that he, was that yeah. that was like he's not dad. Right. right. He's, he's a fan right, first. Right. He's, so he was a fan first, and and no one would have ever thought Justin would have played football. He was better at basketball to me. So, but he just got blessed with all those football offers at a, at a young age, at fifteen as a sophomore. So, um, I just feel like the the football fell in his lap, but. You would have never thought he would have been a football player. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to go to the NBA. <laughs> well, that's actually what Terry had said to him. He goes, when we were, t- when you sat down here, we were going to talk about the draft. Right. 
right. you never in a million years thought it was the NFL draft. Right. No, he was a six foot three inch point, point guard, guard with bounce, right? right. That, Jump shot, yep. handles. He could, he, he could do it all. So I'm going to give the obligatory uh, business business college question. Where do you guys see yourselves in five years? Um. You answer that, right? <laughs> uh, I see us in five years. I see us owning our own agency. I feel like overtime will be off the ground running. Um, I got a I got a year left for school. Uh, Micah has about a year left for school. Joe got a year left for school. So once we finish our degrees and get our degrees out the way, um, and it's a it's a big investment to start an agency. So once I feel like we have that money and we're ready, then. It'll be in the next five years. We'll have overtime up and running. But until then, uh, we're still working with Anthem and just building our platform, building everything, learning from those guys every day, and just trying to soak in as much as much knowledge as possible. If I remember correctly, there is you guys have a sponsorship deal with Under with Body Armor. Is that correct? Um, yeah, we they had. Um, I wouldn't say it's a sponsorship because at the time, Body Body Armor. They loved, you know, what Overtime Sports Group stood for. They loved our camp, but they just told us, you know, it was a little bit of space for sponsorships. Basically, they didn't have a lot okay. left open for sponsorship. But they sent us a couple of free packages, um, you know, just for their support. And they said keep them in the loop. And, you know, they would love, they love what we're doing, and they want to be a part of the camp. So uh, that was real big for us. We had never – got that before but uh body arm they really like um the camp they mm -hmm. like the idea the free youth camp and everything that we trying to do so they want to be a part of it for future references so that uh was actually a good good little partnership they did with us and and how much is the camp grown where was it year one and where do you guys hope it is here year three in terms of number of participants uh year one we 70, 70 people come out last year it rained yeah, so it was, was kind of hard, off, so. <laughs> hard for us to really tell you know how many would have came out but we still got about like Four. 70 65 yeah. Yeah. 60 kids that came out uh but this year we plan on those numbers you know being double yeah a hundred at least hopefully um because like i said we're dealing with two other uh, businesses that work with kids as well. So they had their own following, you know, just like we had our own buzz as well. So this year we plan on it being the biggest camp that we've had so far. Yeah, we have more members this year too. Last year we was doing uh, three members. Uh, we were just getting started with Anthem as well. So with us expanding, that's going to help us out a lot. We have some great guys in overtime that, that are just – Working hard and helping us when we have stuff to do for Adam. They're they're covering our backs. They're uh promoting on our social media. DJ is handling. He's doing great on our social media, posting every every time he gets a chance. Um, so we we have a lot of good feedback coming from this camp. Who, if if you don't mind, who are some of the the athletes that are going to be taking you know taking part in in, in helping with the camp this year? Uh, we'll have a lot of high school guys um, around the city, some of the top high school guys, Charles, Charles from Benedictine, Justin Woodley from uh, Cleveland Heights, just to name a couple guys. Uh, we're uh, going to hope to have all our Anthem clients at the camp as well, our, our newly recruited clients. Um, as far as NFL guys, college guys, our, our guys we're recruiting for our 2020 mm -hmm. draft class. 
We want to make sure they're there to um give give the um the kids something that they can remember. Mm-hmm. Right. Who were some of you guys' early influences? Uh, that that got us in the sport. Yeah. Uh, so I would say um I had two influences: the guy who we worked with, Nick Davis. Because uh, he's from the same neighborhood as I, that I'm from. So I knew what the sports looked like based off where he was going in. And also, uh, Rich Paul, he was a big influence, too. He went to Benedictine, too. So we kind of got the back scoop of him, LeBron, Maverick, Carter, all their stories when we were in high school. So those were two people that really inspired me. But I would say mainly, really, um, Nick, he was just – I sent – it, Rich Paul, he inspired too, but Nick, it was different because I was with him every day and he kind of showed me the ropes on how to do everything I'm doing. So those two would be what got me started. Um, well, not what got me started, but you get what I'm saying. And then Reggie. Uh, working with Kel Crenshaw. We worked with Kel Crenshaw oh, yeah, our, our, Kel our, first year, so, okay. um, our, our first year in, in the sports industry. So we worked with him hand-in-hand our first year. Um so I would say Nick Davis too. That's like our brother. Like he really Shoulders. been been helping us with the day to day, the player relationships, and just teaching us steps to step how to do everything. Obviously, Rich Paul, Benedict and Grad, Maverick Carter. Just uh, watching those guys on YouTube and just seeing how they built their own built clutch up with with Rich being Brian friend from from start from high school. So just those guys are. Our biggest influence, I would say. And do you see yourselves being uh, football exclusive forever, or do you want to expand also into other sports? Um, no, we want to do basketball and baseball and Everything. track, whatever, <laughs> all aspects of sports. We want to. We don't. Football is just the easiest to get into. Okay. So, but we definitely want to expand to uh, basketball. We we plan on going to the summer league this summer in, in Las Vegas to try to uh, get some guys and recruit out there. I have a question about what is what have you guys found to be the most difficult part of what it is you guys are trying to market to the players? Most difficult part. Um the most difficult part um, it's just probably separating us from everybody else and, and getting players to understand that we aren't an agency and that they can sign with an agency and us. That's probably our most difficult part that I would say because players don't understand that until we have to literally sit them down and just, you know, get them to understand that this is your management. This is what we are responsible for. This is your agency. This is what they're really responsible for. And they don't have to do this other stuff. So. That would be our, our hardest part of selling. And, and on the reverse of that, what do you think the most difficult part of being a professional athlete in today's climate is? And how do you how do you guys see yourselves helping them navigate that? Social media. Everything is everything is blown up. You see everything. You can't hide anything. Whatever happens bad, they're gonna make a big deal of it. They wanna tear you down before they wanna build you up in this industry right now. So that's I feel like that's the hardest part about being an athlete because at the end of the day, that's their job. They love what they do. They love to go to work and, and grind. They love to work out and just play football. So that, that that's the easy part. And all the, the marketing stuff, that's what we handle. So just with them, making sure they know, like, 
whatever I do is, is, is will be blown up. So are you guys, in part of what you guys are doing, are you, are you vetting people for the athletes that you represent? So I, you, one of the things you mentioned earlier was, you know, making sure they're on a good meal plan. I mean, are you guys vetting chefs? For example, um, yeah. So we we get our chefs. Well, not their chefs, but we reach out to different people to prepare their meals and stuff like that. So yeah, we we, we or food service companies yeah. maybe is a better yeah. word than chefs. Yeah. Yeah. We basically whatever city they're in or situation, we look for. You know, we look around the city basically on who does the best meal prepping. We might have an athlete that's already in that city or that has been there before. We might ask them, you know, what suggestion, what type of meal prep were you on, who were you, you know, dealing with and things like that. So when it comes to that part, it's mainly just about the research that we had to do on our own just to, you know, make sure they're in good hands. And in a situation like that, so let's say you obviously you, you guys are, are young in terms of in the business, so you don't have a, a, a huge parcel of clientele. So when you reach out to somebody, let's say you reach out to a, a Steeler player, right? Uh, because that's where Justin is now. Right. Are you guys running into any resistance when you're asking these guys for, you know, advice and their experience in terms of trying to get your people with the right people? Yes, definitely. So sometimes reaching out doesn't work where like they might not even respond to me or they might not respond to my client if I want them to reach out because they have such a, a large inquiry where they get thousands and thousands of DMs about different players. So that's that's pretty tough for, um, for us to just get in contact with people. But once when people understand, like, okay, they're, they're serious, they know, then they're like, okay, now let's do business. And that's the easy part just because we're real people and we just want to talk to them, you know, make the best for both situations. We're not just looking for the best for our, um, for our player, but we want to make sure your company gets brought up or you get your acknowledgement for helping us. And then, too, we have a great uh, support system, too. So, like, if there's any doors that me and Reggie can't get through, somebody in Anthem can. Right. So, you know, they'll join the process and get in where they need to in order to help us continue to progress. Yeah, definitely. Uh, our CEO, Larry Lemons, and well, our, our owner, Larry Lemons, CEO, Joe, um, and Nick Davis, they all have tons of relationships. They've been in the, in the job for years and years, worked with uh, more companies than just Anthem. So they're they're pretty experienced and it creates an opportunity for you guys too even if the the uh, what's the right word here so even if the interaction with the player in the case where you're reaching out to let's say a stealer like we talked about even if it doesn't get you the answer that you want it's still an opportunity for you guys to build a relationship right. and at least have something positive come out of it okay hey you know what I, we thought you might be able to help us you couldn't right. great no problem you move on, you, you at least leave them with a good taste in their mouth yeah. that, okay, hey, these guys are trying to do something right. For whatever reason, I'm not going to help them right now, but you never know. It could come back three, five years down the line right. where somebody says, hey, I remember that Reggie Flowers, Joe Harriet, these guys contacted me. They're so-and-so's representatives. I'm having a little issue with where I'm at. Maybe I ought to talk to these guys. And yeah. that's what we preach, too. Sometimes it's not always about the dollar and what you can uh, get money-wise, but sometimes the the relationship is more important. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it might be times where, you know, it might not, both parties don't see an agreement, but like you said, that relationship is very key. So we always tend to continue to build great relationships. And like you said, who knows in the future where, you know, we can land at. And it's gotta be very helpful that you guys 
while you guys are trying to build your brand, you have somebody helping you facilitate that. So you're not really starting on the ground floor, which is 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 probably a very positive in, in, in what you guys are doing. Yeah, um, right now, but like like we said, we started overtime at 16 years old. Yeah, so right. like we really did start. From, I mean, the work the work yeah, for that yeah. part has already been right, done, kind of thing. Right. right. So just yeah, we we didn't went through our bumps and our bruises with not getting clients, with failing to get clients. Yeah. To, so now it's just like okay, we have this this great support system. Now all we have to do is just give our 100 percent to to our supporters. And they're going to help us get get our foot in the door and make sure we got clients, make sure we know, like, exactly what we need to do. How did you guys, what was the initial first step to get connected to Anthem? How did that all kind of take place? Um, so, yeah, basically through the relationship that I had built uh, with Nick um, through the senior project, he was, like, real, you know, ahead of the player development department. So when – Scoop came to the table, Reggie, and, you know, we all discussed and talked. Basically, Nick preached on our behalf to Anthem mm -hmm. on who we are, you know, what we wanted to do, how serious we were and all of that. And then the CEO came and talked to us. So um, basically, that's how we got into Anthem. They just wanted to know, you know, did we really see a future in this? Where were our goals? You know, where were our mental at um, when starting it? So after talking to them and having smooth conversations and them understanding what we wanted and, you know, that this is really the field that we truly love and want to be in, from there, you know, it was just on us to do the work. They said, we're going to give you all the opportunity. And it's so. funny, most most kids, I'm calling you kids because you're younger right. than me, but at 16, you know, they're, they're trying to get a job at Starbucks or, mm -hmm. or, or something. You guys were trying to start something, something big. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And, and I will say this to all of the kids out there that don't think your senior project can, can, can pay off. There you go. Live and right. testing. Right. Live and testing. There you go. Yeah, definitely. So take that serious senior project serious. You never know who right. can give you that opportunity. He didn't give us the opportunity right then, but it, it came it, back it, years, years around. Right. But again, positive interaction. Laid some groundwork. Right. And, and I think one of the other things that's interesting, too, and, you know, it's, since Pat and I are a little older, we've seen a lot. You know, one of the things you learn is that if you chase what you love, the money comes exactly. follows. Exactly. If you chase the money, you might always be chasing the money. Right. Um, so I think, I think it's real interesting and it's very commendable that you guys, there, there's a passion there, there's a dream there, there's a love there, and you guys are trying to let that kind of guide you and push you guys along right. as opposed to, you know, we want to do this because right. there's money in it. Right. Yeah, we always, always wanted to do the sports management. We always wanted to get into that. And that's just, we just love this. We we don't feel like it's work to us. So mm -hmm. it's just it's how we want to live our lives, is helping other players get to the best they can be all outside the field, on the field. We want to push our players, hold them accountable. Like, if you just work hard, then you can – be a Hall of Famer. You can make the most marketing dollars outside of your sport. Um, you can do all of that. So that's just how we feel on a relationship standpoint and the genuineness of us becoming representatives of their brands and stuff like that. Um, so obviously right now your clientele is pretty new to the league and stuff like that. Do you plan on also working with players, you know, after they retire, you know, because there are clearly guys who don't play football anymore and still get sponsorship deals and things like that. 
Um, we don't really want to sign players after they retire, but we definitely will hold and maintain like our relationships with our players from veterans to I mean from rookies to veterans to retire retirees or uh, we want to we will always have that relationship always source deals for those guys. Uh, we represent I think six or seven veterans right now, so we don't really handle too much of that because our other uh, people in the anthem handle those guys but we still have our personal relationships with those veterans and and those things is that something you guys see you know in the in the near future going after players that are already established in the league that may not have the services that that you guys can, can render yes we 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 um, doing that now still like we just want to make sure all our players you know what well, players we recruit we still recruit players that are in, in the league who don't have management because a lot of players don't have management and sometimes they might not hear from their agent, but that's what we're there for. We're we're there to be somewhat of what the agent does, but at the same time handle all of the stuff that the agent might or may not want to do. And then, too, we young, so we looked at it like, you know, we might as well manage over guys who are coming into a new situation as well. So it's a new situation for both of us then going to directly manage a vet and, you know, he might expect certain things already off the bat that we may not even know, you know, exist. Right. So uh, that's why we strategize with the young guys that we got that entered the new draft because it's like we all growing and building together. So so how do you guys manage it? It's, it's, you brought that up, Joe. How do you guys manage the, the limitations, so to speak, that, that are there right now because of, you know, there are certain places where you really don't have experience where, as Joe said, a veteran might want a, a, a larger package of things, right. and, and they're just not things that you guys right now are capable of providing. How do you overcome that? What's what's the big challenge there? Um, we we basically we're getting thrown in the fire every time it's something new that we don't know. So with us, it's just a, a, a learning curve, uh, like a bump that you you bump over every time you you know try to learn. Okay, how do I go about sending this email? How do I respond to this email and stuff like that? So, but we have a lot of support where if we would just have a question like we need to ask like Nick, we just ask him and then he'll give us the answer or we just learn on the spot and just take our bumps and our bruises and if we don't get that deal, we don't get it or if we do, we get, we do. But um just navigating with that is uh it's it's tough but at the same time we just have a lot of support like our company backs us, and they, they tell us whatever we want to do. Like, whatever we, we want to learn, we can learn. Mm -hmm. You know, we're still in school. I'm still in school for sports management and stuff like that. So I'm learning, you know, at, in the school aspect as well. But with Anthem, they, whatever we, we want to know, we'll, we, we, we can find out. Exactly. And then, too, like, they're not going to give us the answer. But yeah. they'll help us get to how yeah. we can right. get it on our own, basically. Right. They'll walk us through, like, we need something done. Now, if it's something that we really can't handle that's right. really out of our control, then they'll, you know, step in. But for the most part, if it's something that we come um, – that comes our way that we don't know, we'll hit them up and, you know, they'll tell us, like, the best way. So maybe you should go about it like this. Or right. maybe you ever thought about such and such and basically help guide us to the answer that, you know, we actually need. So they basically teach you how to fish instead yeah. of giving you the fish. Right, right, right. exactly. Yeah, because right. everything, I mean, they granted, they gave us a, a great opportunity, but everything, like, we had to do was, you know, we had to do it on our own. Like, 
even before we started with Anthem, me and Reggie did a whole recruiting class the year before, and it didn't even it didn't go nowhere near how we thought it would have went. But you know that was learning curves, and it put us in the situation that we was able to be in to this day. So everything's been learning. We just been learning as we've been going. Um, also having failures, but learning from those failures, which is the most important lesson. So. Right. Biggest surprise you guys have encountered in the three years you've been doing this rough numbers. Um, it actually goes a little bit longer than that. But. Right. right. <laughs> biggest surprise. Positive or negative? Um, the biggest surprise was actually signing players because we went a year without signing anybody. So that whole year was just like – the longest year of our lives because we had a whole recruiting like situation where we were recruiting and then no one signed with us and then for us to just have to all right so now we just like we just started yeah we started from zero we started from scratch where we didn't know if players were going to sign with us we didn't know if players was going to be able to you know trust us so our biggest it wasn't a surprise but it was a surprise at the same time because just with us going through that Experience of not signing someone and then signing four players was like our biggest surprise, our great, uh, great experience for us. Well, it sounds like you guys are well on your way to, <laughs> to getting where you need to go, and we appreciate you taking a few minutes. You can sit with us. We're going to talk some NBA draft here in a minute. Okay. If you guys want to sit in, you're more than welcome to stay. Yeah, we definitely but, can uh, We, we want to thank you for taking the time to, to, to tell everybody what you guys got going on with uh, – Overtime Sports Group and, and Anthem and all of the things that you guys are going to be doing here in the very near future and and, and well beyond. So thank you very much for that. So anyway, that. Uh, tonight is draft lottery night. It is. And I, I want to go out on record as saying that the New York Knicks getting the pick will not be as surprising as who I think is going to wind up with the pick. The Los Angeles Lakers have a 2% chance of, of getting the pick, which is only slightly less than when the Cleveland Cavaliers got Kyrie Irving. Right. Who? That's crazy. You remember Kyrie used to yeah. play point guard here. He made, he made a pretty famous shot. He was a pretty good uh, Robin. Yeah, he was a pretty good Robin. I don't think he liked being Robin. No, but, but, I don't uh, think he did either. But... Uh, it would not surprise me tonight if the commissioner goes through all of those those teams and the very last name he calls is the Los Angeles Lakers. And if that happens, then you know. If you, if you didn't already know that there's something not so above board with the NBA draft, I mean, everybody thought about the frozen envelope with Patrick Ewing a long time ago, you know, that kind of thing. And the fact that the Cavaliers what, won about – it seemed like 11 in a row they got the number one pick. Um, but it would not surprise me one iota today if, if, if the Lakers get that pick. So let me ask you this. What do you think they do with the pick if they get it? You know, that's funny because when I was talking to my son Brandon about this before we got here, he said they would be just about dumb enough to trade it for Anthony Davis, which is something that the Knicks have been talking right, about yeah, too. Because um, we all know LeBron doesn't like playing with draft picks. Definitely. Yeah, but I, I, I think LeBron has been on record as saying that Zion's a little bit different. Yeah. Or, um, or John Morant. Yeah, that would be an interesting. Yeah, but with Lonzo, right. I don't feel like they'll take nah. him. But with Zion, I feel like Brian. 
it, it's funny because because I've heard for the for the first time over the last couple of days, people now questioning. They're they're making some comparisons between Zion and Joel Embiid, and not in a good way. From the standpoint of doesn't have a great diet, that big body, maybe the knees are not going to hold up through 10, 12, 15 years in the NBA. It's kind of interesting how everybody gets scrutinized, you know, now that you get to this point. I, I would say as a casual observer of college basketball, I've caught Duke games because they're obviously on TV. Yeah, more um, than leave it to Beaver reruns. Right. As Pete time. Gillen once so eloquently spoke. I probably caught five or six games, including the Gonzaga game at the Maui uh, Classic this year. If there's a better basketball player in the country right now at his age than Zion Williamson, I'd like to know who it is. I want to know who that uh, is. Because so. I'm going to tell you right now, if you have the number one pick and you do not take that guy, he is going to torture you for the next 15 years. So as much as there are some other players in this draft that are nice pieces, he's the whole puzzle. Oh, thank you, my... Gavin. Is it, is it possible that Ja Morant becomes Michael Jordan to Zion's Akeem? I think it is. Me too. Yeah, I, I think I think there if you're gonna use that comparison, yes. I, I think whoever winds up with, with Morant isn't going to get a bad basketball player. No. I don't necessarily know if he's gonna be the game changer that Michael Jordan was. Mm -hmm. And again, we 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 lived through that draft. There's nobody ever gonna tell me that Akeem wasn't the right pick. I mean, it's Portland that actually screwed it up. Right, it wasn't the Rockets. The Rockets <laughs> right. took the right guy. Right. So, and again, you know, if, if you have the number one pick and you think that Anthony Davis is the is the difference between you being, let's just say the Knicks. Right. Actually, the Knicks are probably not the right, but let's just say the Lakers did wind up with it. If you think Anthony Davis is the, the difference between you and winning the West and then competing for a championship, I'm not sure that that's the case. Not just for Anthony Davis. Right. But if you if you take Zion, he has got to be covered the entire game Dang. by somebody. And, hey, and by the way, he plays defense, which is something that is at a very big premium in the NBA right, right now. Right. I what mean, he shot blocks like a seven-footer. Right. <laughs> what happens, though, if Kevin Durant, as people are now starting to intimate, ends up in New York with the Knicks? Doesn't that open up a little bit the West? If you're the Lakers and you say, hey, this is the opportunity, yes, Zion might be the better longer term, but they need to make a splash now. The Warriors the last two games would disagree with that statement. <laughs> and I, I'm not saying that it's wrong. Right. I just posed the question. I mean, I, I, I don't think, think it's I over. think if if there's a window to be closed, it's obviously Golden State. Okay. Mm -hmm. That being said, until somebody knocks them off, that window stays open. And right now, the best that they can muster, in my opinion, was the Houston Rockets, and you see what happens to them every year. Right. Now, this is going to be an interesting series because if there's a team in the West that's kind of like. The Golden State Warriors, it's the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, missing a piece. Now, but the difference is, is 
the guys on the Warriors have been there and done that, mm-hmm. and these guys are coming to this the very first right. go around. Um, but I like I like I kind of like Portland chances though. I like the underdog mentality they've been attacking this whole season. I didn't expect them to get to the Western Conference Finals. I thought OKC was going to beat them in the first round. So with Dame stepping up, I feel like him and C.J. McCollum have taken their leadership to another level. Local kid. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Yeah. Akron. So. Yep. So I I like Portland's chances though. Um, I'm not saying they're gonna win this series, but I don't think it's a lot. Of, I've been hearing a lot of people saying five or four. I honestly think it'll go six. Now you guys are in marketing, so I'm gonna say this and you're gonna smile, but. The worst thing that could happen in the NBA right now is that the Portland plays Milwaukee. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that and be. I don't care how big Giannis is. In my opinion, he's the best player in the league right now. Right. Cool. I don't, I'll tell you. Um, I, was tell, I was actually telling Terry this the other day. Under the circumstances, that might be the best buzzer beating shot from a drama oh perspective God. in the history of the game. Has to be. That was the boom, first. Boom, 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 As soon as it hit the rim, <laughs> I was like, we're going to overtime. And then it did another bounce. Then it bounced two How times. How many times I has said, anybody ever seen a basketball bounce straight up and down four times? That was the first time I ever seen right. that. That was the first uh, game seven game winner in history, too. So. And that was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Calm. He don't have no type of expression. I remember I saw them tell him that, <laughs> and he just sat at the uh, at the pole like, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, just, I just went to the corner, and I shot it as high as I could, and it he, went in. He did say he threw – I think he said I threw a, a, a shot with no spin. That's why it did that. It, it, right, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was, it was pretty close to a dead ball, that's for sure. And on top of it, I don't think you could defend that play any better than the no Sixers way. did. No way. But, they, they had Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid running. My question home. is why Jimmy Butler isn't on it. He ran. I mean, I feel like he ran right past like Ben Simmons, and then Ben Simmons pushing Embiid to contest. He right. he caught Embiid off balance. Right. He so Embiid was kind of leaning a little right. out, and and he was right. able to get past him. He had and, a great view at the shot. Yeah. I, I I feel like, but it's still a seven a seven foot guy coming right. at you. Mm-hmm. So. But I just want to know want want to know why Jimmy Butler wasn't guarding Kawhi in that situation. Yeah, that's a good question too. I'm so. sure that was asked probably <laughs> multiple times by right. multiple people, not only the media in Philadelphia, but right. probably them fans yeah, too. Right. <laughs> Definitely. I think they they believe in Ben Simmons a little bit too much. I heard the coach saying, you know, his defensibility is is crazy like out this world like he could be one of the best defenders in the league which i'm not saying that's not true but that scenario that case i don't know if i leave him on there instead of jimmy Butler. so one of the things that i saw proposed on national media that i kind of want to get you guys take on is uh i think it was chris broussard said that the war or not the words the rockets should try and trade Chris Paul for Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons is good, but he doesn't really mix well with what Joel Embiid needs to do in Philadelphia because you can't post up Joel because Ben Simmons doesn't have a three ball. And that the uh, the Rockets need to get younger. Well, the Rockets definitely need to get younger. They got they got to do – they kind of remind me, and it's funny because Harden is part of both of these teams. They kind of remind me of OKC – before Durant obviously left, 
just good enough to not be good enough. Right. You know what I mean? That's right. kind of like the Rockets. And again, when you're putting up, you know, 33s a game, if you're not on, it's right. they don't play any defense that's at all. the first half. Pat. Right. No, I'm just saying that's the first half, but they don't really play any defense. On, so they have to change something if they're going to, you know, be a serious contender. The funny thing I did see was Ben Simmons for LeBron. And that yeah, was float that. I was floating around today. Yeah, I seen that. Now, I don't know about the craziness of it. I don't think it's crazy to think that LeBron might not be a Los Angeles Laker. That part, all right. All right. That's... I would have to think that there have to be something like, I'm, I'm not sure why the Lakers would do that other than to just get themselves out from underneath LeBron, but right. why would you do that? that why would no you bring sense. in <laughs> Right, 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 players. right. Uh-huh. It, it, he's, I mean, they got seven of those guys right, right now. Right, exactly. Dude, I feel like Ben Simmons is, one of the worst half-court players in the league because, Can I mean, he see? scores all the all the transition. Um, he doesn't like he handles the rock, but he doesn't really handle the rock as well. I mean, Jimmy Butler gets it. You know, they got Joel and B at the three-point line now. So, like, what, what is he? Where, where where does he fit in? And then with James Harden, I feel like James Harden is so ball dominant that he doesn't. Him and Chris Paul won't work because Chris Paul needs the ball and James Harden needs the ball to shoot whatever he got to shoot. And Ben Simmons is just going to come need the ball and, you know, he can't shoot three. So, you know, so is that why him. that might work? That, that, it might work yeah. in Houston. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Is that why that might yeah. work in your eyes? Yeah, it can work because, you know, all he wants to do is pass the ball. So, But I feel like Houston to be Golden State, you need more scoring. Yeah, and I don't really see Ben Simmons changing a series like outcome with that series. Like, just as much as well, I don't want to say because Chris Paul kind of had a bad series this season. I'm starting to see the age and I'm not, but uh, like 15, 17, 18 points, I can see Ben Simmons averaging, but it, that's not enough to change the outcome. I feel like Houston need another like. I, I honestly don't know what Houston is. <laughs> in, 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 in a lot of ways, James Harden is the modern-day Wilt Chamberlain. And I mean that not in a positive right. way. Because teams have just said, you know what, we're going to let him score, score as much as he wants. Mm-hmm. We're just going to stop everybody else. Right. And that's kind of how the Celtics were able to beat the the 76ers at the time and then the Lakers all those years in, in, in the finals because – they just let Will right. get Do go ahead, get 50. Right. go ahead. We'll stop everybody else. Right. <laughs> but with the with the if Ben Simmons went to Houston, mm-hmm. it, it, since you know we're playing with scenarios here, right. could he? And he's not going to shut him down. But could he contain either of the Splash Brothers? Could he contain Curry? Could he contain Clay Thompson enough that his not being a twenty five point scorer would help? Maybe Clay, not Steph. Yeah, not, not the only person I've ever seen stop Steph, honestly, is Delhi. Well, yeah, Delhi. Right. <laughs> that's when he Delhi gave him the most right in 2015. Right, and then even with Clay, I don't, I feel like he would really had to commit to playing defense. Right. Like it would had to be because he got to run through a lot of screens. Right. You know, Clay gonna run all over the court, so he would have to chase him, be on his hip. I, he would really have to commit to playing defense. And, we, and Clay is the better – he's a better second option than he is a third mm-hmm, option. So definitely. if 
if KD was to leave and he would only be the second option, then. But Alex, isn't aren't they both? I think they're both free agents. Yeah, mm. I, I feel like either one will be there. I feel like you KD, think one or the other will yeah, be there. Yeah, if, if one stays, I feel, but I feel like what's why would KD leave? They're just going to keep winning championships. I mean, Katie's shown, though, that he really cares about his public opinion. Yeah. Um, And, you know, people aren't going to take him seriously in an all-time perspective until he wins something not with the Golden State You know, that's funny that you said that, Alex, because that's – well, Reggie can help, and Joe can help him with that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he can. Absolutely. (laughs) I I think that that's – that's the biggest difference. A lot of people say, well, LeBron did it. Well, LeBron did it, but he realized, you know, three and a half years in that he needed to do something different and brought it back. I don't think KD has figured that part out yet. He hasn't figured out just how ridiculous that jumping from a team that was up 3-1 to a 73-win team. Right. I mean, you literally, if he stays, we could be talking about OKC with a couple of titles at this point. Right. Right. Or, or uh, Golden State Cavs rematch where we both have our full squad. You know, every year it's something. Fifteen, Kyrie, Kevin Love hurt, and then sixteen, they want to say Draymond suspension, and then seventeen, they won, but. How do you, I mean, how do you, after 16, how do you, go, but is, how do you pick that? Is that the reason for him to go, though? Maybe he has, maybe he has figured that out and says, I have to go somewhere. And again, he'd be on a grandest, grandest stage in New York. He, he'd turn around a franchise that's been abysmal, not the word of the day. Right. Right. Okay. And if he could, if he could do it there, don't you think that would rehab his? Are you saying if he could do it there, he can do make it, it anywhere? anywhere? Absolutely. Okay, I, just would, <laughs> I don't. You know, I'm, it's not above me to be cliche. Yeah, you know no, that. No, but think about it. I mean, it, no. okay. Hey, look, I'm, no, I'm taking all this heat because of what I did. In order to rectify it, to right the wrong, I've got to go somewhere yeah. and bring somebody from the from the dregs, from the mm-hmm. bottom of the barrel. Right. And bring and them up, and, and, and I don't care who was around him. If it's if it's Kyrie, if it's Zion, if it's whoever else he can get to go with him, I think that that would be redemption for him. Yeah, I mean, so. he, he tries to put on the fake tough guy act, but I mean, we're talking about a dude who had burner accounts to defend himself on Twitter. Like this dude clearly cares about what the public thinks yeah. of him. And New York is not the kind of place you can do that. Right. And to your point, I don't think that. Kevin Durant is a is that guy. I don't think he's the guy that takes your team from being awful to a contender. I don't know. I'm not saying yeah. it happens but, if it's just him. Obviously, there there's going to be a well, right now. Right now, people. I don't think anybody sitting at this table would would disagree with what I'm about to say. How do you count on Kyrie? And again, I'm not talking about his basketball. Right. Because if he comes to play basketball, he's yeah. arguably one of the best finishers in the I game. Right. 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 Like, but when's the last time he came to play basketball? Right. Mental toughness. I think the shot he hit against Cleveland. Golden State might yeah, be the I'm last time Cleveland. he's actually come to play basketball. Because right. that entire next year in Cleveland, he was Gonzo. Yeah, right. That's true. I think definitely. I can see KD leaving though. Like what you were saying, like. Because I know – I think he thinks as himself as one of the greatest of all time. I'm not saying he feel like he's the greatest, but I know he want to be in that conversation. 
So I feel like he knows, like, okay, I learned what I had to learn in Golden State. But now if I really want to be considered one of the best, I know I had to do it on my – not on my own, but I know I have to lead my own team right. um, to that promise. So I can see him leaving for that reason. But that that would be the only reason because if he stayed with Golden State, they could He's keep winning. Win <laughs> and, again, until the Knicks prove me wrong, mm-hmm. nobody has ever gone there and done it. Yeah. The last time they had a decent team, John Starks was playing shooting guard. <laughs> <for him. laughs> what y'all think about KD and Kawhi possibly linking up in, at the Clippers in L.A. together? I hadn't heard that. I heard Kawhi oh, right. to the Clippers. I didn't hear yeah, about they were saying They were saying KD could possibly land there as well. And then he would get to face LeBron like LA, LA. the Kings of L.A. So it would really hype up that. I don't know. Though. But that would be a crazy Kawhi. To me, Kawhi is the, is the guy, I think, okay. of the free agent class. Yeah, he's definitely the guy. That's the, If you're trying to transition from yeah. being a middle-of-the-road kind of basketball team yeah. to a contender – that's no, the guy. Kawhi is the guy to me, too. Well, and that takes us back to earlier you talked about, you know, the possibility of the Lakers trading LeBron. One of the reasons that they would possibly trade LeBron would be to get Kawhi. Right. Because I think it's readily apparent that Kawhi does not want to be a Laker with LeBron. Nope. He does not. He but, said it. I mean, he basically said it out right. loud. He did. If, so if there's no movement and he goes to L.A., I think he's much more likely to be a Clipper than a Laker. But it would be interesting. And again, are we going to find out finally who wants to, what other star wants to play with LeBron? And I don't know LeBron. I mean, personally, Nor do I, I know what I know what the media says about him. Right. But it's hard to not read that narrative when you're looking at it, because he's never. I, I, I mean, let's face it. Kevin Love came here in a trade. Mm-hmm. Now, because not, he didn't like playing with draft choices. Right. Right. At the end of the day. Kyrie was already here. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, Wade, Wade and Bosch were kind of the guys that they all yeah. chose each other. Right. And they, but, it but, took them three years to pull it off. Yeah. Well, they did go. They just couldn't They couldn't beat anybody for a while, but they did go to the – No, but I mean – Oh, they yeah. took they're, them three planning, years. They yeah. were planning that for three oh, years. For, for sure. But, you know, that was already Wade's team. He'd already won a championship exactly. with, right. you know, with Shaq at that point. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure – any combination that does that includes Kyrie Irving is somebody that you take serious, and that's not to say they wouldn't. Right. But I, I, I personally wouldn't take him serious until I saw whether he was coming to play yeah, basketball or not. not, because he can talk about flat Earth all he wants. <laughs> At the end of the day, I need, I don't need you to talk to me about science. I need you to talk to me about who's going to hit this shot when we need, to, right. we need it. We need to be able to stop the opposing point guard from, from basically going off. I feel like that's Kyrie being with LeBron. He, yeah. he, he might need that big brother. Kyrie's yes. the, the leader of that team. So, And I feel like it's not a knock to Kyrie, but he's just not that he's not that he's not that type of leader where he's going to lead them to the promised land. Kyrie is more of a get-my-own get type of uh, player. So, And again, I'm saying this without any knowledge of what went on behind the scenes, right. but I think that had less to do with LeBron and more to do with Kyrie and how he yeah. felt he was being treated by right. the, by not only the the fans but right. more importantly the front office. Right, definitely. Because I don't I, nobody in their right mind. I mean, you'd have to be completely a lunatic to go. I don't want to. 
I go to, I'm going to every, I go to the finals every year. Why would, why would I want to, why would I want to do that? Why would I want to not go to the finals? Right. And again, and what, what did LeBron do the year he was gone? He took him to the finals the without finals. him. So, so, and beat him. Well, he right. didn't play, but yeah. his team, right? He beat his team. We had that discussion, though. I mean, I, I, I'm a firm believer that he saw, he, he knew LeBron was leaving and said, I'm not going to be I'm, stud. I'm not, I don't, I don't want to be the stud here because there's not going to be anybody here. Right. And, and felt like Boston was his opportunity. Well, he had already, he'd already seen that movie because right. he was the stud here for right. three, for three right. years. And, and he couldn't do anything. <laughs> and he won 28 games right. or whatever right. it was. But I think what you saw in Boston this year was the, the younger guys didn't respect him. They thought that Tatum and these other guys were just, whoa, whatever you say, Kyrie, whatever you say. And that right. didn't happen. And, and I think, again, I can't get inside of his head, but I, I think that that probably, hopefully, for his, for, for the sake of his career, it made him realize, you know what? Hey, KD's going to go to New York. I'm going to go with him because, yeah. you know what? I'm okay being Robin again. Maybe. Maybe. And if they wind up with that frozen envelope tonight, it could be a complete game changer as far as, as New York goes. Uh, they get Zion. Right. I, uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie probably jump in the New York. Right. Yeah, that would be a nice little big 30-footer future. But until, you know, until you see it play out, right. I still would like to understand who's going to play defense. Yeah. Now, Zion, uh, Zion. is it? Zion, he, he can play. Well, what does that do about Porzingis and guys like, you know what I mean? Oh, I forgot Porzingis is there. Porzingis is in Dallas. Oh, yeah. I was oh, yeah, yeah Porzingis I'm sorry. Dallas, yeah. Yeah. DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, they got Trey They Burke. got DeAndre. See, this is how much I follow Knicks. <laughs> I didn't even realize DeAndre, DeAndre Jordan was uh, Dennis. Uh, Dennis Lill, Kevin Knox. Yeah. But them guys. Yeah, they got they gonna have team. to get, yeah, They're going to have to get rid of So they got the Cavs, basically. That's basically who they got. Right. They definitely do. So what did you guys think of uh, of uh, Jim Beeland getting the, getting the head coaching job? Michigan. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Harv Michigan. just fell out of his chair. <laughs> I hate Michigan. I mean, but in the basketball aspect, I mean, he's a good coach. He led them to, uh, what, two Final Fours. They won a couple, three or four Big Ten championships while he was there. But at the end of the day, he's from Michigan, so well, he's I got a Michigan I, coach. I got blasted yesterday for posting, phrasing, for uh, basically saying. And again, this is not a knock on Coach Beeland. He's yeah. a fantastic <laughs> he's a basketball coach. coach. I would like to understand, without knowing what the roster is going to look like next year, I would like to understand who it is he's going to be teaching these X's and O's to. And are they going to respect a 65-year-old man exactly. who's never been part of the NBA? See, exactly. Just go ahead. My my take on it is that when people question the college to NBA transition, it's typically how they relate to vets, not how they relate to the young guys, because the young guys are have been out of Michigan for a year. So if they can handle playing for Coach Shashevsky and uh, you know, him at Michigan and Calipari and Calipari, you know, it's, it, they're one year older. It, I mean, if they can handle it the year they were in college, you would think they could handle it their rookie year then. So you're basically saying that we're by, by them signing this college coach that we're resigned to the fact that this team's going to be incredibly young again next year. 
and we're looking at you know well, I think that's less what, than 30 wins. Well, I think that's what they wanted to do anyway, and I think that's part of why they fired Ty Lue because they wanted Ty to play the young guys, and Ty was like, no, I want to keep my job, so I'm going to play the guys that help us win now. And Well, he didn't have anybody to help him win now. I know, but that, <laughs> He's still that, unemployed. <laughs> but that was part of why they fired him is because he didn't want to play the young guys. And just, you know, I'm not a fan of Ty Lue, but I wouldn't have hired Kurt Rambis either. But that's just me. I mean, when, when you sit down, and, and again, I don't know anything about J, Janie Buss. I know she's not her dad. And I know since she's taken over that franchise, it hasn't been anywhere near what the Los Angeles Lakers mm-hmm. that I grew up watching look like. So the fact that she's making ultimatums in a situation where she's in the draft lottery, the Lakers are in the draft lottery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't supposed to happen. Right. But, again, it wasn't about basketball. No. <laughs> but but I think you're right. Again, I, I think that there, there's, a, there's a sneaking suspicion out there that they're going to stay young. And to me, when you stay young in the NBA, unless you wind up with Zion and somehow – because they have a chance, I think, with all of their picks and things, they get a chance to get four number ones this year. If they can somehow land four really good basketball players and get rid of four, like I say, dead carcasses that they've been dragging around for 48 minutes, then maybe they got something. But if they're just going to get one guy or two guys, they're going to they're going to be bad again. Right. And the fans aren't coming back unless. I mean, that's what LeBron did. He spoiled everybody to the point where he showed up and, oh, what do you mean? We're playing in the, in the June. Right. Every, year, every year for the last four years. It's and been that, weird. And that's the interesting that. question. You know, I, I had a problem with the way he left the first time. Mm. I had absolutely no problem with what he right. did no, this time at all. And if he wanted to come back here while he still has some gas in the tank, I'd take him in a heartbeat. No, definitely. And, and as much as I've bashed Kyrie, yeah. I'd take, take him, him back, too. Yeah, definitely. I'll take – if LeBron was to come back this year, I would. That's what I mean. Yeah, definitely. Would you take Kyrie back without LeBron? No. No. Because no. <laughs> nah. then that's just going to get you what we had uh, before LeBron I mean, came. You, you, we I mean, just... it depends on who's around him, but at the same time, no. Yeah. I, I would stick with – Because Kyrie, don't, he don't make anybody better. So it's hard for, like, you he's, know. Like, he's, he's James Harden in that situation. He's a repeat of Boston. Right, he's right. going to be the leader. Right. He'll be the leader. And right. I said this on the show. When he when he was traded to Boston, mm-hmm. until he snapped his ankle, yeah. Gordon Haywood was probably the better. That was the right. better sign. Yeah, right. definitely. I mean, right. they, they didn't really jettison anything other than that number one pick. No, right. I mean, true. they got rid of Isaiah, which they didn't want any part of anyway, and, right. and you saw why pretty quickly here. And, you yeah, know. Terry coming off. Terry, is, I feel like, can start. Like, you see how they played last year with Terry. Obviously, they played LeBron, but Terry put up, what, 15, 16 a game last, last year. I feel like he could have been what that team needed. But Kyrie is just so ball-dominant. Ball then you bring in Gordon Hayward, who is ball-dominant. Then you got to try to. Give Tatum his touches, Brown his touches, Al Horford his touches. A lot of people. So I feel like with with Kyrie and them just coming back, man. And that's part of the – I hate to say it, but that's part of the ISO game that they've created here in the NBA. Right. It's very top-heavy with guys that need the basketball in their hand. Kyrie, I think, really also doesn't work well with what Boston wants to do. I think that was from a scheme perspective. That was a horrible fit for him. Well, he told you that because he – 
bash the coach yeah. about halfway through the year. But it's not Brett Stevens' fault. I mean, the way that things work, Al Horford led them in assists last year because it's a movement, spacing, you know, find the right shot type of thing. And Kyrie's game just doesn't play that way. He's no. dribble, 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 and, shoot. And, you know, you can win with, you know, iso ball because even when we won the championship, it was iso LeBron or iso Kyrie 90% of the time. But it doesn't work with what Brad Stevens is trying to do in Boston. And then even iso ball, I feel like we won those times where when you get to the finals, I feel like we won that that time because that was really God looking over the city for <laughs> For us, man, because even for the most part, like, ISO ball. You're right, because I was at the parade with all of those people, and there wasn't one incident the entire time. So you know that, I mean, there was people, people when people are shaking hands with people they don't even know, you know that that. That was the craziest. We, Me and Scoot, we actually worked worked the parade. Yeah, we worked with Nike on that. Yeah, parade. So we were at the parade at like five in the morning. I was at Ninth and Boulevard already, and I saw Machine Gun Kelly almost decapitate himself on the on the street side. He was dancing on top of him, and he turned his back and didn't realize the sign was there, and it clipped him right in the back of the neck, almost knocked him off. (laughs) Yeah, that was that was our that was the longest day that we probably had on the work on, on. it was so hot that day, and it took them forever Ever. to get there. I was like, I went to sleep by the time I, we right. had. Well, the, the problem was is right around um, Jacobs Field. I always call it Jacobs Field. Right. I know they call it right. but Jacobs Field. The, the the crowd was so thick right. that the cars couldn't move. Right. Yeah. That's so Kyrie right. and Jr. who were in the first two cars, they were getting out of the car and. and so everybody behind him, you know, was. was yeah, yeah. I, I think by the time LeBron got to us, it was like three and a half hours late. Man. Yeah, the saying. snow fence really wasn't a good idea, was it? There was no, there there was nothing <laughs> outside the snipers that were on, uh, perched on the buildings. There was absolutely no security at that place, and it, it, it turned out you didn't need it. Right. There was no Cleveland. So when we celebrate, we celebrate. And the, and the funny thing about it is, is I have friends, li- lifelong friends, that flew in from wherever it is in the country they were just to be there for that. That was it was pretty yeah, cool. Oh, that was a crazy. Now if the moment. Indians would have pulled it off a couple of months later, it would have been just as big and probably if the Browns oh, pull it off. Oh the Browns pull it off, you might as well just shut the city right. down. Shut everything, <laughs> everything <laughs> down. Shut everything down. Well, because you know, hey, it is a Browns time. It is a Browns time right. after all. Yeah. Yeah. So do we want to talk about the Indians at all? They scored a bunch of runs today. Yeah, Alex was saying. What did you What did you tell me, Alex? I would have. I could have really gone for some of those in almost any of the last seven games. <laughs> <laughs> they were uh, second lowest scoring team through forty games in the last forty years. It's funny. I only sh- only I, I outdone swear. by the 1985 Cleveland Indians I, I who scored 130 I, runs. They've scored 100, 131. They've scored 140. I'm almost, going into I'm almost positive that I know somebody that said this was going to happen. Thank you. Oh, you mean you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I said it in February. I knew it was coming. Now, why anybody is surprised by it, I have no idea. Well, let me ask you you lopped off 100, excuse me, 200 RBIs. Off your roster, let me ask and you filled this. it with nobody. And, and this goes back to you guys talking about you know the Cavs last four years in the finals. It seems really strange that they're not right. in the playoffs this year. Do you think that maybe that's brought extra attention and extra scrutiny to the lack of what oh, the Indians absolutely. have done so far? Yeah, absolutely, definitely. Because 
they didn't have to worry about anything till the end of June right. for, for four years, basically. Right. right. And then with us, CSN Playing 60 games, we're good. Yeah. yeah. Right. But now, every night, everybody's watching them because there's no playoff basketball to watch. Exactly. <laughs> so they're going to get the backlash of being the bad, the bad team as of right now. Yeah, they need to get LeBron it. goes for 41, and by the way, the Indians lost <laughs> again. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, the, the Indians, I'm not going to lie, they kind of lost me as a fan last year. Well, was that two years last ago? Last year it was good. But we lost in the playoffs in the first round. Two man. years in a row in the first That's round. That's what I'm yeah. saying, man. I'm tired of them having good seasons. And then, and then I really couldn't believe we blew that Pat, lead. you have a new friend. <laughs> This guy can come on the show anytime he wants. No, really, though. It's frustrating. Well, when, and again, Terry says this all the time, and he's absolutely right. The worst thing that happened to them mm-hmm. is they went to game seven. with, with It was basically like the Cavs did right. the, it, it the, the first year. Right. With, with basically a, a – Depleted roster right. almost. They got there with, in, a, in an ambulance, basically. Yes. And, they, and, and when they didn't do anything – We're a it, rain delay away from right. – Right, winning the title. Right, right. That's and when they didn't sign anybody, yeah, they just they, 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 that's how, when how it, that's when it, that's right. when it. I mean, if you can't get any closer to winning a World Series than they than they were, right. And then you Maybe. basically told your fans, we don't care. We don't. Right. <laughs> so Definitely. I contend they told their fans, no, no, we're healthy. It's all good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you interpreted that as they didn't care. Well. Definitely not it. Tomato, tomato. tomato. Right. <laughs> right. But I, I think uh, I've never, you know, I saw today that uh, the guy that doesn't want to be in Cleveland was at practice today, OBJ. OBJ. So all the national media can, mm-hmm. pardon That's my friend, a, suck who it. Goes to, who really? goes to voluntary? The right. last two defensive players of the year didn't go to voluntary workouts. Khalil Mack and Eric Donald did not show up to voluntary workouts. It's not. I feel like that's just. Oh, I, I, that, 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 and again. Understand, this professional athlete's a little bit different. Yeah. But if, if my boss said to me, you can either come to work or you don't, or have, you don't to. have to, but we're still going to pay you anyway, <laughs> I'll see you when that? it's time for me to be exactly. at work. Exactly. And again, exactly. it isn't like he's, you know, lounging on a, a lounge chair somewhere in right. Tahiti. He's right. practicing every day. Working yeah. out with Jarvis and, and as much And as much as the, the media would like to make it appear as if, you know, he didn't really want to come here. He's never said that from no, the moment he got he from the moment he got traded. Now he might have been blindsided a little bit, right? But his first tweet had him in the entire Browns. He <laughs> that, did that. Nobody, that, nobody photoshopped that for him. That's true. On, on building the Browns, I watched that as the CBS show yeah. building the Browns. Um, Jarvis, I asked him if, if if he wanted to come, he'll make it happen. Him and John Dorsey yeah. try to make it happen. So just by going off of that, I feel like he wanted to come here. So, yeah, I feel like he wanted to come here, too. I think he might have just been sad about because, I mean, he been his whole pro career has been in New York. So I think he just had to mentally go through. I, I think he had to get trade. over the fact that, you know, he's not going to be underthrown anymore. Exactly. And, and, Why would you? <laughs> thank God. I'm going from Eli Manning to Baker Eli. Mayfield. But here's the funny thing. I guess at practice today, my son was telling me because he. I don't know how he got the feed, but he said that Baker threw one behind. Yep, behind. And he. He's <laughs> with one hand, <laughs> and, and the quote was already making Baker look like an all star. <laughs> I can't. I'm honestly super excited about this football season. I can't wait. 
to see how everything Danny's plans done. out. <laughs> Good. Yeah, the, you know, the, the biggest thing is these, these guys are pros. This one, of, one of our one of our co-hosts who's not here, he's out of the work detail, is it? Very anti NFL, very anti Brown. Oh, so your comments are killing him, but it's all good. <laughs> you know, the these, this isn't the nineteen. 19- Again, Paddles, Pat said you can come back anytime. We're all good. <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't the nineteen sixties where guys go and sell cement in the off season. Right, right. right. You it's know, true. these dudes are training year round, and they're right. not just working out like they're you know they're doing routes and working on footwork right. and watching mm-hmm. film year round. So because they're not at voluntary mini camps, doesn't mean that he's sitting on his. You, know, you think couch. DK, DK Metcalf isn't practicing? Right. You know what I mean? Right. By the way, one of the greatest quotes I said, they said he's a human Batman suit. <laughs> and, like, and this is also, you know, this is, this is what they, these are the rights they got in their collective bargaining. Right. right. Because the owners wanted to take more money. Right. And they, so, therefore, the, to get the more money that the owners wanted, they said, we're going to make your offseason longer and we're going to make less stuff mandatory. As long as he's there week one, mm-hmm. when they no, take the it. first snap, it doesn't matter if he ever should. To me, in the NFL, Especially preseason football, I mean that they're just asking for trouble. And yeah. anymore, you know, a lot of these guys don't even play. You know, they, they right. play a snap or two or, right. or whatever. If they can get through training camp and and the preseason healthy, without, without touching the field, we want to do right. It. But I'm just saying, I, I think if the Cleveland Browns are able to do that, this is going to be one of those years that people are going to go wow. This is going to be like the greatest show on on turf yeah, kind of year. Because so you just raised the bar. Pat. I don't have. I'm telling you, again. I mean, you went from 11 and five to the greatest <laughs> show on turf. Okay, who do you co- who do you cover? Who do you cover? And Joku in the slot. I mean, and Joku at the tight end. Callaway and again, everybody. Is that still Nigerian for short of the first? It used to be. Not anymore. Okay, not anymore. Okay. It's funny what a good somebody that can actually get you the ball in space <laughs> can do for you. Right. But again, well, when you can throw the ball past the first down. Right. At the end of the day, and Njoku is a perfect example of this, they stick him in the slot. You're going to put a linebacker on him? Good luck. One-on-one with Callaway every time? You got Odell, and and he went our fastest If Callaway can keep himself out of trouble. He's he's going to keep himself out of trouble. He's he's had a quiet offseason, which has been good. And he was at at practice today. So I mean, they were at full strength today. Did we miss on Pyramid? Huh? Did we we, we saw a pair? No, he, he we, did. He did, and then he. he oh yeah, then he left. They, uh, they made the trade. Okay. okay. So he's in Tampa. But no, okay. you're right. With those four guys, if they can protect Baker, then you got. And and again, their possibilities are endless. Right. Reggie just brought it up. Perriman's a prime example of what a good quarterback can do. Could, <laughs> he played four years with Flacco, Man. and all he did was drop the football. Man. Now all of a sudden, he's going up with one hand over two defenders and bringing the ball down. You don't. It isn't like he just magically learned how to catch when he put the helmet. Exactly. On. Baker did it with Higgins as right. well. So I feel like it's, it's Baker. He just put players in that position where, you know, they just got to catch the ball. And again, Landry, in my opinion, Odell's great. Don't get me wrong. Right. Landry's the guy yeah. because he does the stuff that a lot of these guys don't do. Block. Right. But I, I. But more importantly. He'll go across the middle of the field and exactly. catch the football and, and no with no, no fear, <laughs> which is something that will open up those outside windows, outside scenes. But I'd like to see who, what teams are going to try to – who are you going to double cover because you can't. You can't. Yeah. <laughs> and then we got yeah, I, forgot, I forgot all about Alvin Kamara coming back. We still – our backfield is – 
Kareem Hunt. Kareem oh, Hunt. yeah, I'm sorry. I, 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 I was, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I'm like, where did you? Booker, I'll tell you what, Bowl. that's a fantastic pickup I didn't even know about. <laughs> Booker, Super Bowl. Damn, we got out of Camaro? Damn. Yeah. No, no wonder why Duke Johnson wants <laughs> out of here. <laughs> Booker, Super Bowl tickets right now. Duke in a oh, pick really? and we got Alvin Kamara? Uh, oh, damn, Joe, look what you did. <laughs> That's the kind of that's the kind of deals they make at overtime right. sports. Hey, exactly, the kind of progressive thinking that they bring to the table at overtime sports. Well, it's been a fantastic discussion. We appreciate you guys just sticking around with us, and uh, no thank, thank you for coming for down. Us. Who had the word of the day today? Oh, I think Alex did. I did. <laughs> Fair enough. Should we thank our sponsors? We should thank our sponsors <laughs> as always. So we'd love to thank our the generous support of our sponsors: Pepco Victory Park, Joe and Jack Borky. Dave Nager, attorney at law in the law offices of Nager, Romaine, and Schneiberg. Dave Nager. Dugout Sports and Baseball Club, Jeff Winrod and Brian Pellegrini. Clearview Window and Gutter Cleaning, Terry Hamilton. The Matter Salt Cave, Amy Wojcikowski. Seasonal Sporting Goods, Chris Kalick. And, of course, Twisted Cow, Beef Jerky, Dave Gottschall. <laughs> we want to thank those folks because without their support, we couldn't do what we do and bring you guys shows like this. We want to thank... Reggie and Joe, thank you guys for taking some time tonight and, and telling us your story. Thank you for giving um, us an opportunity. We appreciate it. Uh, I thought it was, you know, Pat and I talked about this a little bit. I thought it was it was kind of funny when you were there when we interviewed JL right. and we asked if you want to be on. And Justin's like, come on. He pulled the chair over for you. And like, look, man, let <laughs> yeah, him shine tonight. We'll name. have our opportunity. So we're glad we were able to get you guys on. You. Uh, and then again, you guys tell your story. We wish you guys, you know, nothing but continued success. Don't hey, forget about us. No, when definitely guys, When you, our, when you guys continue to ascend, don't forget about us. We definitely uh, won't. This is our first podcast. And if you have any clients that, that, that want to talk on a Tuesday on night, you, anytime. Yeah, Even, it doesn't even have to be Tuesday. Just let <laughs> us know and we'll set it up. <laughs> no, definitely. Uh, we will be having a lot of guys in our, our camp weekend. So if we can possibly set some things up and get them mm -hmm. on the show to get yeah. them some clean, Yeah, we could. We could maybe see some sort of a we Saturday afternoon. We broadcast from Benedictine every of, once in a while. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> so, they like us over there. Okay. You know, so we know a few people there. Good. So uh, that would be outstanding. But, again, appreciate it. And uh, next week, we've got Josh Petroselli from, yeah, from starting tailback from Mountain Union going to be on. Oh, yeah. good. And in two weeks, it will be the – 1982 Euclid Baseball State Champions. Okay. Uh, so we're going a little different direction here uh, at like this part that. of the year, going a little bit more of the interview right. route, trying to bring some guests on and change it up a little bit. Because nobody wants to listen to us for an hour. Uh, <laughs> nobody wants to listen to you bash the Indians offense for an hour. Hey, we're right here. You had some support tonight. It's funny. I said it normally when I say something, somebody sitting in that chair usually says something bad back at me. It was awesome. No, Takes off the headphones right. and yeah, tunes out. So it's all good. Uh, and, again, before you know it, I mean, it's going to be football preview show time again. Those will get started up in June. We're really looking forward to it. We've got an expanded roster. Uh, hopefully coming your way uh, from last year, from expanding upon the nine schools that we covered last year. And uh, hopefully there's going to be a June and July full of yeah. football preview shows. So so uh, that's going to do it for tonight's Talkback fans. I'm Pat Lyndon. Terry Howe. Alex Howe. And uh, we will see you next Tuesday with Josh Preciuselli from Mount Union. See ya.